Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. J.D. Greer joins us this hour. His new book, Essential Christianity, and he's going to talk about his response to Andy Stanley. What that means, we'll find out together. Oh, I am so uh, intrigued as to what J.D. is going to say about this. I actually have a pretty good idea (laughs) what he's going to say because he has written a response Uh to some things that Andy Stanley has said over the past several months as it relates to homosexuality. So that begs the question, what did Andy say? How did J.D. respond? Well, we're going to spend some time talking about that, and uh, J.D. is going to join us in just a few minutes as uh, we do a little bit of a deeper dive. But his response came after some comments that Andy Stanley had said at a drive conference at North Point Church in 2022, so last year. The church has taken those offline, but there are some YouTube snippets and published notes that exist and kind of the the gist of what he was saying is that if you're involved in Christian ministry as a pastor, as a lay leader, uh, we need to be more welcoming to the gay community as they visit our churches. And I think a lot of people would say often the church has not responded well to the gay community. And, you know, Andy's, I think, rightly diagnosing that often we've we've not loved well, we've not communicated mm-hmm. well. Uh, But in doing so, he's talked about things like, well, I know that there are clobber passages Hmm. where we've used the Bible as a weapon of sorts to clobber those in the gay community over the head with that. And he said, we've got to figure this out. And if we don't, we can say goodbye to the next generation. And he said, pastors who declare they're affirming or not affirming are taking the chance, uh, are taking the church away from someone unnecessarily. And so he's kind of trying to thread the needle in a certain way of not saying we're affirming or we're not affirming. And he is. He's Mm -hmm. not trying to have a response on that uh, whatsoever. And J.D. Greer has said, we need to be careful, though, because if we downplay the sin of homosexuality, we're still not going to win the next generation. Mm -mm. And so that has, I think, raised this conversation uh, back into the public discourse again as uh, these two have been kind of not going back and forth per se, but one has made some comments and J.D. encouraging us to think biblically and respond well uh, to that. So I'm looking forward to his comments this hour. The conversation has to be had. We've not done this well through the years. We uh, tend to pull out sin from the Bible and kind of camp on that. And if we don't know what to do with it, we may have the tendency to not talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. That's another problem within the church. And we go back to the fact that, you know, Jesus came to the sick. He didn't come to the religious leaders because they already thought they had it all together. And he knew they didn't, but their ears were closed. He comes to uh, the sick, we're thankful for that. If you know Christ, you know what that he has redeemed you. And, and then we live a life that is marked out. We have all of this direction in Scripture to follow, and, and we're going to struggle. Yeah. A, a, every single one is going to struggle. But I think when we're uncomfortable with a particular sin and we're not quite sure what to say, and people are pushing back, and our culture is pushing back in a huge way right now. I mean, agendas, the whole thing. We tend to either get quiet or get angry. Right. And neither is a helpful response when it comes to the gospel. I mean, Jesus, when he got angry, he was 
He was very clear in what he was angry about. And yet he continued to talk to people with the redemption message. Mm-hmm. How are we doing with that? This is a tough one for me. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. And my mom has said to me multiple times because she, um, my parents divorced in the 70s. And divorce was the topic that nobody really could talk about very well when it comes to scripture and what scripture said, because it became a phenomenon inside and outside the church. Sure. We have to look at our sin condition. We have to, because we have been paid for. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. So what does that mean? Have we lost the beauty and the depth of the gospel? These are all parts of the conversation J.D. Greer joining us here in just a little bit, and we are really thankful that he's taking the time to address this for us. We are going to have that. Don and Steve in the morning, Moody Radio. Breakfast tastes better with Dawn and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Well, we're glad that you're with us as we began to talk about just a few moments ago. Andy Stanley has uh, made some comments over the past year or so talking about the fact that the church could do a better job reaching the gay community. Uh, That was held at a uh, drive conference at North Point Church last year. There's going to be an upcoming unconditional conference in September of this year, the 28th and 29th. And uh, J.D. Greer has written a great response. Um, Came across this yesterday on the Gospel Coalition website and thought, man, I thought... His response was so thought out, well-reasoned, biblical, wanted to uh, connect with J.D. and talk a little bit about that this morning. You know uh, J.D. Greer, he is um, on the radio each and every day here on Moody Radio. Many of these stations that you're listening to right now, 1 p.m. Central Time, you hear Summit Life with J.D. Greer. And J.D., welcome. It's good to have you with us this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Love your show. Well, we appreciate that. You know, as uh, Andy Stanley, you know, has been public with his uh, statements of the church could do a much better job of reaching the gay community, um, there are some who are expressing some real concern over um, the the tone, the tenor, and the way in which he said that. what What is the concern, and uh, what's been your general response to that? Yeah, I mean, well, let's start with where we agree. I mean, the church could do a much better job yeah. of engaging the gay community. I mean, yeah. there's just, I mean, for many of us, it's more like a culture war to be won than individuals to be reached. And as I noted in the article, one of the things I've most appreciated about Andy, about North Point, about just the whole kind of culture that he's tried to foster is that, you know, these are conversations that we're not denunciating. You know, we're not supposed to be denouncing things from the pulpit as much as we are engaging people and, and winning them, bringing them. I remember, you know, when he, um, in Acts, he preached a message on Acts 15 and how he just poured out his heart to say, we ought not make it hard for people, Gentiles who are seeking God. He said, I wish I could write that over every, the, you know, every church in America's doorframe. Um, I mean, that, that is a, that is, that is profoundly moving to me. And I think exactly right. But on the other side, you know, whenever Jesus and the apostles, whenever they, you know, Paul's heart, I, I, I would go to hell myself if it meant that, you know, other people could be saved. He had all this compassion, but but he knew that that changing the message or altering it ultimately is not serving the body of Christ. And, you know, one of the things you you know is that Jesus is filled with both grace and truth, mm-hmm. um, both of them. Uh, grace comes before truth. Uh, yeah, I think Andy points that out is that, you know, grace means relationship. You're, you're reaching out to people. That comes before truth, but Jesus was filled with both. Um, truth without grace is fundamentalism. Uh, I was sort of raised in that context. Um, grace without truth is liberalism. 
You know, I, that's where you just all acceptance. Um, Jesus was filled with both. And for people who really want to represent the gospel, we have to be more truthful than the fundamentalist and more gracious than the liberals. That's the essence of Jesus. And that's the light that 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 is not overcome by the darkness. And so that's where we agree, for sure, is that everybody needs to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And and I think Andy is saying, hey, if we will just kind of let this issue quiet down a little bit, welcome everybody into the church, they can hear the gospel. But there is a slippery slope there because then I was just telling Steve, like my parents divorced in the 70s. Nobody wanted to talk about divorce then. It was whispered. And mm. and we're not whispering about the LGBTQ community anymore, but we're not quite sure what to do. It, but that slippery slope, that's the danger, yes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, there's a famous um, line attributed to Martin Luther. I'm not sure if he actually said it or not, but he said the courage of a soldier is tested not by how bravely he stands where the battle is not being fought. It's, you know, how he postures himself. It's it's how he stands in the, in the place where the battle is the hottest. And we can look back over history and we can really regret times when Christians didn't stand up for things they ought to stand up for. I mean, you know, uh, Southern Christians uh, in, in the 1860s who didn't, you know, stand up and say, hey, slavery is wrong. Or even as, as recent as the 1960s, when many of our kinds of churches were not leading out in the civil rights movement like they should be. So it's easy to look back and say, well, you know, they just didn't have courage. Well, what what are future generations going to say about this generation when we at this one point where it was most countercultural, where we didn't say, hey, God's designs for gender, his designs for family and sexuality, they're not like extraneous details. These are things that are essential for life. And we've got to be as clear and as courageous on those as we would have wanted our forefathers to be on some of those other other issues. Um, I, I, I want I, I know that God's power is ready to come alongside of those who who won't say, God, we need to edit your message to make it more palatable to the to the world. We want to we want to embrace all that you have revealed, and you know what Jesus said in the Great Commission: teach them all the things that I've 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 revealed to you. Uh, we we want to make sure we're faithful to do that. You know, JD, as uh, you've said, we as the church community sometimes have done a very poor job, often have done a terrible job of engaging this conversation well, and so some have had the response of saying, "Well, then we're just going to kind of." not talk about it, you know, kind of the don't ask, don't tell uh, kind of thing about that. Um, But you you point out that that's really not a a good and viable option for us in this current climate. Yeah, certainly not. I I, I think it's Tim Keller, who I think I quote him in the article that, you know, when, when, especially our, our church, the church I pastor in Raleigh, we have, I mean, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it's probably close to a majority that would be in the college student, young professional, or young married range. And so when they come in from millennial, you know, Gen Z, um, they're not like unclear on what they think we believe. It's not like, a, oh, I, I didn't, you know, yeah. they come in with the assumption, mainly because the media reminds them of this every single chance they get. Mm-hmm. That we believe that God's plan for marriage is one man, one woman, you know, for for life and um, this plan for sexuality. So they know that and they assume that we are bigoted about it, which means that if I don't deal with this elephant in the room, I have no moral standing in their in their eyes. And I'm not saying that I explained it one time and they all nod their head and say, "Okay, I, I, you know, I get it. But at least I'm able to redefine you know, it on, on, on biblical terms, the world says there's only two options for this affirmation or alienation. 
the gospel gives a third option, which is I'm going to be filled with grace and truth, which is I'm going to embrace you and accept you as a person, but I'm also going to be really clear about what God says about you and about his plan for the cre- you know, for, for creation. Engaging in the tough conversations for the sake of the gospel, not ignoring, not being hateful, but maybe practicing something that we've not practiced well in the past. As we talk today to the person that you hear on Summit Life every weekday here on Moody Radio, that would be Pastor J.D. Greer from Raleigh, North Carolina, joining us. Also, the author of many books, the latest of which is called Essential Christianity, The Heart of of the gospel in 10 words. Great tools for us. The conversation continues coming up on Moody Radio. Thanks for being with us. Why not take Dawn and Steve with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app and you'll be able to catch up on this conversation later on as well. Thanks for listening. Yeah, sorry about that, Briggs. I'm just so excited with Pastor J.D. Greer. My 22-year-old son, favorite pastor, listens to you every day. Pastor J.D., and he said, please, I told him yesterday, I said, Micah, you are never going to believe who is going to be joining us tomorrow to talk about some tough things. And I told him, and he was like, really? So, Micah May, you better be up and listening to this conversation because it's so important that we learn how to talk about the hard stuff when it comes to Scripture. And the gospel is offensive, J.D. It is hard to hear. We none want to hear, hey, listen, there's really nothing you've got or nothing you can do that will get you to heaven. And then start challenging our preferences and our sexuality and all the things that are very, very personal to a human being. And you kind of have lost me. But the gospel is, it's Jesus who's changing hearts and changing lives. Are we putting the cart before the horse still in Christendom when we start talking about the sin, specific sin, before we start talking about the grace? Yeah, that's a great question. I I, I do think that for many of us, this is still, you know, in the realm of culture war. And I, I just, number one, that's not how Jesus approached people. And number two, when you really love somebody that you're just, you're, it's not an argument to be won. It's a person to be reached. And, and that means, you know, again, to quote Andy, you know, since he's the one that sparked this controversy, usually when you're dealing with somebody in the church that has a same sex attraction or identifies as gay or lesbian, what, um, what you're first dealing with is somebody who is also struggling with the question of unanswered prayer. Because most of the, right. the ones that I, the, the ones I know, um, prayed to God earnestly for God to change this desire, and they're wondering why He didn't do it immediately, and that means that I'm dealing with somebody that is confused and broken, and and it doesn't mean that I change the message one bit because that's not kind to them either, um, but it does mean that I I sympathize with them, I draw them in, I make them feel safe. You know, even as I tell them the truth, I make them feel accepted. That's how um, sinful people seem to feel around Jesus. They flock to be around him because he told them the truth, and yet he was filled with grace. We've also got um, a lot of parents, um, Dawn, a, lo- a lot of parents that that are, don't know what to do with their kids on this. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 grow their teenage kids or their their college student kids either struggle with this themselves or can't imagine being a part of a movement where. You know, they perceive us to be on the wrong side of history or filled with hate. And again, none of this means we change the message or downplay it or mute it. It means that 
We have got to be so full of grace that not only is our truth clear, but also the heart of Jesus um, that comes out to us. And that's going to that's going to change the tone of the conversations. It means that we're 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 not just going to be denouncing things in blogs and on radio shows and from the pulpit. We're, we're going to be inviting people to conversation and saying, hey, I love you and this does not define you. And I want to I want to draw you close. Such an important conversation for us to uh, be willing to engage in and to do so in a winsome and a compelling way. But as you said, holding to truth. And there are some essential truths, essential things that if we're going to engage culture well, we need to make sure that we know what we believe, that we're able to articulate what we believe. And uh, J.D., you've written a book called Essential Christianity, some things that uh, will help us, I think, engage with culture in, in a way that hopefully is compelling, truthful, and full of grace. Um, what would you say to the Christian who is kind of feeling like they're misunderstood today, uh, that they feel like culture has rejected them, and they don't even know how to engage well with uh, some of these conversations? I'm assuming you're talking about the Christian who is trying to be faithful to the Bible's convictions. Yeah. Um, th that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think the first thing to do is to just embrace that there has not been a single culture since the dawn of the church where Christian morality, true Christian discipleship was seen as praiseworthy by the world. We, we we tend to look back, you know, on the early church, you know, kind of. I mean, they, they they were accused of being cannibals because the 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 culture was confused about the Lord's table. They were con um, uh, they were accused of being um, uh, atheists because they wouldn't worship idols, and they were accused of like essentially. Um, sexual just debauchery because they had these what they called love feasts that were basically the Lord's table and they just got lied about. Uh, it's the same way today that we are often misconstrued and Jesus it, it, it's an opportunity that Jesus gives the church in every age to demonstrate both the the grace side as well as the true side. Um one of the verses that God really gave to me a few years ago when I was in a particular just say controversy of my own and just feeling misunderstood and unjustly accused is that verse that that Peter gives to the church in 1 Peter where he says you were called to this Mm -hmm. Talking about unjust suffering, you were called to this. This is not an accidental byproduct. It's not a you know unfortunate circumstance. God called you to this so that you could put Him on display in it. So my encouragement to that that Christian is: be bold, be bold like Daniel was bold. Realize that you're in this place to to demonstrate through your suffering and through your courage that that God is worth suffering for, and that His truth is truer than what our culture is telling us. Mm -hmm. So good. J.D. Greer with us. You uh, recognize the voice if you're a listener to Moody Radio. You hear him on Summit Life each weekday, many of these stations at 1 p.m. Central Time. And if you're not listening, go check that out. And uh, he's also written a book, in Essential Christianity. It's the heart of the gospel in 10 words. We want to connect you with that, so we'll put links on the Facebook page. Don and Steve in the morning, we're going to continue the conversation with J.D. throughout uh, the rest of our time uh, together here over the next uh, 15 minutes or so. So stay with us. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio.
We're glad you're with us as we continue the conversation with J.D. Greer. He is the Bible teacher on Summit Life, heard each weekday on Moody Radio. He's also pastor of the uh, Summit Church in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, and he's written a book entitled Essential Christianity. And I think that there is really um, a great pivot point, you know, from the conversation we've been having, J.D., to uh, what you're addressing in your book here. You talk about the, the fact that we need to be able to engage well, and that even involves acknowledging and being able to have a conversation about sins we even see within the church. You, you brought up some of the sins of, of racism that have existed in the church o- over the years, and thankfully we've, I think, done a little bit better in that. But what would you say to the Christian who feels jaded by those historical sins, even the sins that they see currently in uh, our churches today? I mean, so many stories of pastors who have had moral failings and have had to step down and bullying and so many different uh, sins that we see coming across our news feeds and the pages. What would you say to the person who's like, I I don't really know how to engage when this is in our faces? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's heartbreaking. And um, I just, you wonder where, where, where future generations will look back at us and say, hey, because they didn't take their Bible seriously enough, they created some stumbling blocks. What I always try to tell people in a situation like that is, you know, the, the, the Christian message is not that there's a group of good people and a group of bad people, and the good people are trying to convince the bad people to become good people. The, the message of the gospel is we're all bad people. Mm-hmm. We're all broken people. And grace begins to go at work within the midst of bad people. But because it sometimes is a process, there's a lot of places where you still find evidences of our brokenness and our sin. And I don't mean to excuse it or trivialize it, just to say that to that person that's struggling is to say, well, look at look, look at what grace is doing. Look at the changes it's made in the world. Look at where Christianity flourishes, what it does for women and what it does for equality. These advances you refer to in racism, those are specifically because of the Christian message. Um, you look at at, at at the way it changes people's lives. I mean, it's so, yes, we are still broken people, but we're not calling you to put hope in us. We're calling you to put hope in Christ who, who never fails and in whom you won't find the inconsistencies that you sometimes do find in us. The cons- inconsistencies, I certainly understand where people get tripped up on that. And it c- takes me always back to that scripture that says judgment begins in the house of God. If we're mm. not being heard— is it important for us to go to the Lord and say, hey, Lord, is there something in me that I am holding on to? Do I need to repent of sin so that the gospel can be heard through me? Yeah, I mean, that's I think that kind of humility, Dawn, is where where effective witnesses for Christ always begin. And, you know, Martin Luther, I quoted him a couple times in this interview, but he always he, his one of his statements was all the Christian life is repentance. You never <laughs> get beyond repentance. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I want to start with that posture of repentance. Now, I do want to encourage, you know, a listener that maybe you, you feel like you're not being heard, but it really does have nothing to do with you, it, like an inconsistency. It's just, it's just that this is the world that God has put us in. So you first ask yourself the question, is there something? But um, God may not reveal something that's in you. It may be more about the context you're speaking in, and you got to trust the Holy Spirit to overcome that and not try to take responsibility for that on yourself. Hmm. You know, as we uh, have this conversation with J.D. Greer, if you've got a, a question or comment, feel free to uh, drop that on our uh, Facebook page or text that in this morning. We'll see if we can get those in quickly, 800-555-7898. 
Um, J.D., I, I think about us engaging well with the gospel, and I think some people uh, know that the gospel is a moment of salvation. They've confessed their sin, they've repented, they've turned to Christ, and they know that they're forgiven. They know they're going to be in heaven one day because of the gospel, but struggle to engage well with the gospel in the here and now, in the day-to-dayness of life. So how's the gospel relevant to Christians each and every day today? Yeah, well, the, actually, um, <laughs> that's a fabulous question. This The book that I wrote, Essential Christianity, you've referred to a couple times, is basically takes Paul's major thought points in the book of Romans and tries to, what I'm trying to do is say, if he'd have written that in 21st century America using the same logic lines, how would he have answered the questions? And of course he gives the same answers, but just putting it in today's terms. Um, and one of the, the the things that is a little uh, intriguing about Romans is you really can't tell whether the book of Romans is written to unbelievers or, or to believers. Because hmm. on the one sense, it's the best explanation and defense of the gospel you'll find anywhere. On the other hand, Paul says it's he's writing this to Christians who already believe the gospel to take them deeper into the gospel. And what he shows them is that the gospel is not just a diving board off of which we jump into the pool of Christianity. It's also the pool itself. The way that we grow in Christ is never going beyond the gospel. It's going deeper into the gospel. And so um, yeah, that's kind of the theme of our summit life uh, uh, show on, on on Moody is how, how how can we go deeper into the gospel? The gospel is like a well. You get the best water from a well, not by widening the circumference of the well, but by going deeper into it. Um, I, years ago, uh, one of the things that inspired this book, Essential Christianity, is that um, I read John uh, R.W. Stott's Basic Christianity. I was a college student. And I genuinely could not tell Steve whether this was written for a believer or an unbeliever. I read it probably 10 times you know, over the course of my life, and I've given it to 20 people um, that were, were, were not believers. Um, because I think when you really find a good gospel depth, something that really plunges in the depths of this, what you find is that it, it, it speaks to the unbeliever, but it also um, makes the heart of the believer um, come alive, start to glow with with passion for Christ. The way we the way we burn for Christ is by you know the way we we burn with fire to do in the Christian life is by being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. Um, so anyway, I, I that that is like the, the 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 centerpiece of the ministry. I feel like God has entrusted me with. So I appreciate you asking about it. I just I want to say, did anybody ever tell you you sound like J.D. Greer on Moody Radio with Summit Live? <laughs> oh, that's because you are J.D. Greer with Summit Live on Moody Radio. Hey, if you miss this program and the teaching of J.D. Greer, you want to catch that. Just go to mymoodyradio.org. Look up the schedule. You'll see when that airs. You don't want to miss that. You know, we started the conversation talking about Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta and how he has come out with some uh, references to the LGBTQ community and the church and just trying to assimilate in some ways, affirming, not affirming, inviting people into the church and all for the sake of the gospel. But it can get a little unclear. I want to come back in just the last few minutes that we have and talk about whether or not this response from you, J.D., is just two pastors going to the media platform to respond to one another, or if there's more of a personal connection there than maybe what meets the eye. It is Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.